My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once, with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in to Dose of Leadership. Outstanding conversation today with Dr. Michael Gervais. He's a high-performance psychologist working in the trenches of high-stakes environments with some of the best in the world. He's been associated with, I don't know if you remember the Red Bull Stratos project where Felix Baumgartner um, ascended uh, over 128,000 feet in a uh, stratospheric balloon and he free-fall jumped towards Earth at supersonic speeds, Mach 1.24, being the first human without a capsule to travel the speed of sound. Well, Dr. Michael Gervais works with people like this to understand and help coach them with their mindset. He believes there's a common thread connecting how the greatest performers in the world use their minds to pursue the boundaries of human potential. And that's what I love talking with about it, because if we can see how these high performers doing it, is there something that we can take and apply in our own everyday life? Again, he's worked with world record holders, Olympians, internationally acclaimed artists, musicians, MVPs from every major sport, including Pete Carroll with the Seattle Seahawks and Fortune 100 CEOs. He's an author, recognized speaker. He's been on every featured on every major network, including ESPN, NFL Network, Red Bull TV, on and on and on. He's a co-founder of a great business called Compete to Create, which he's co-founded with uh, Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll, which is a digital platform business helping people become their best through mindset training. And he's also a host of a great podcast that I highly recommend that you subscribe to called Finding Mastery. Again, takes you to on the inside of the rugged and high-stakes environments of those on the path of mastery to explore how they train their mindsets to be the very best. One of my favorite episodes is with uh, Jewel, now Rogers, from the Music Front uh, um, kind of guests. It was just interesting and unique type of conversation. I really like those two episodes. Microsoft CFO Amy Hood, so there's business leaders on there as well, two-time Olympic gold medalist and world champion uh, Carly Lloyd. Uh, Pete Carroll's been on there as well, big surfer Ian Walsh. Just a great podcast that I highly recommend that you subscribe to. So I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. And again, thank you for tuning into the show. I couldn't do it without you. This show is brought to you by my sponsor, FreshBooks, and um, they are perfect if you're out there trying to be an entrepreneur, a self-starter like myself, you've got a small business on the side or you're a full-blown entrepreneur, FreshBooks makes it ridiculously easy to do your accounting. Their accounting software has been completely transformed for freelancers and small business owners so that we can deal with our day-to-day paperwork in a much easier revolutionary way. It is totally redesigned from the ground up and it's custom built to exactly how we work as entrepreneurs. It is really the simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, it's helped me get paid a lot more quickly, up to four days faster than what I was normally doing on my old invoicing system. So check out FreshBooks. You can go to my special website that they put together for a free 
uh, special offering, a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of you out there. Just claim it. Go to freshbooks.com slash dose and enter Dose of Leadership in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right, here's the great conversation with Dr. Michael Gervais here on Dose of Leadership. Michael, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership, my friend. Oh, thank you for having me. And you're doing a great job with your podcast and uh, honored to be here with you. I uh, love your podcast too. And it's funny how when I started this, sh- it's going on five years, and I think one of the things, and I'm 40, I'll be 49 in a couple of weeks. And one of the things that I'm kind of embarrassed to admit is how the importance of mindfulness has really come into play just in clarity from doing this show. It's from talking to people like yourself. And, and I never realized, well, I realized I was doing some negative self-talk throughout my life, but I never realized how how much of it was going on in my head. You know, self-awareness is, is key. How did you get involved in this and become passionate about self-awareness and mindfulness? Yeah, I think it's the same for probably most of us, which is something wasn't quite working right in my life. Right. <laughs> and, it, you know, and so it's like, okay, I know there's more. I know there's more that I have to offer and give and I could be more me more often and that would be pretty cool. And so it started with some, you know, discomfort and some pain around that. Um, and sport was... Uh, how it started for me is that um, I was a good little regional athlete, but, but, you know, when I really came down to um, higher stakes, I knew that I wasn't performing at my capability and it wasn't my talent. It wasn't my dedication to work and practice and training. It wasn't, um, it wasn't physical. And the last box unchecked was that it was mental. And I'm talking about like, this is 30 some years ago when I was an adolescent. Right to figure out sports. And so it was, uh, what I've come to learn is that there's only three things as humans we can train. We can train our body, which we're pretty good at, you know, like um, those of us who uh, understand that craft is important, like, okay, we can train our body, we can train our craft, which is what we actually do. And then we can train our mind. And that's it. Those are the only three things. So I was <laughs> right. like, man, I've, I've, I've been training two of those and I haven't been training the third. What am I doing? Yeah. And so that's where it started for me. You know, I was in college, I was on the rowing team, and I remember I had a coach, and it was the first time we used to, before regatta, the night before, he'd have us lay down on the gym floor, and we would go through in real time the entire race, and he would talk and kind of this, and, I, and, and I'll never, that was really my first exposure to it, but then I never really did anything with it until I started getting in, you know, so passionate about leadership and everything else, and I guess when I was in flight school, I kind of would kind of chair fly, and um but I, I just never realized the power of the mind really until really in this last decade, I think. And I, and I think doing the show again, an aha for me was when I was talking to folks and I think it was Steve Forbes. And he said, and Barbara Corcoran said it on the show that the fear and uncertainty and kind of that limiting belief and those, that negative self-talk never really goes away. It just becomes, how do you become a master over it? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that it's like kind of vol- a volume dial is that right. the natural state of our mind is, you know, like a drunk monkey. It's sloppy. It's <laughs> right. easily distracted. It's all over the shop. For some of us, it's double-fisted. And it's just, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, so that's the natural state. And then um, a disciplined mind, though, is more rare. And what a disciplined mind is, it has um, awareness of what's happening inside of, of yourself, wherever that is, and then also has greater awareness of what's happening outside. So it begins with awareness and then with awareness, then you get into the second part, which is developing some tools. So first awareness, then the mental skills or mental tools to be able to adjust the volume of that inner dialogue. 
and even change channels, um, uh, you know, when required. So yeah, it's just a better relationship with yourself, right? And, you know, and then a better relationship with others and a better relationship with nature. And, you know, that's where it begins. So it's not like it goes away. Right. It just be- we become more sensitive and more aware of it. And we can train tools to be able to adjust quicker. I'm glad, more eloquently. Yeah, I'm glad you said it that way because I think that's what became kind of overwhelming or daunting was because when the awareness when it when I became more self-aware, I was almost shocked at how often and how noisy and how drunk that monkey was, right? I mean, it's yeah. really loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For and, sure. And the the that part of it though is awareness alone is not enough. Right. <laughs> Matter of fact, awareness alone can become problematic to being grounded or being performance focused because, you know, like here's an example is like going out to do something, whether it's walk across the hallway to ask a girl out on a date or a woman out on a date, whatever age we're talking about, or it's like walking on stage to give a presentation or stepping into a cockpit for a training, whatever it might be. And certainly there's lots of sports examples and, or having an intimate, deep conversation with a loved one is that if you, at the moment that you notice that your heart rate is pounding, and that your skin is a little clammy and that your heat is turned up internally and you're starting to sweat a little bit, awareness alone, it's like, <laughs> right. oh, I'm a mess. And so it is awareness alone is a perfect cascade to go either into negative thoughts or positive thoughts. And let's be really clear, negative and positive, it's not, um, it's not as uh, Pollyannish as it might sound. Like positive thoughts are at the beginnings of mental toughness. Mm-hmm. Negative thoughts are not like, um, you know, this this term that is, I don't know, so stark. Negative thoughts are, are really thoughts that constrict our internal experience. And positive thoughts are ones that build expansion and space. And I think that that's a really clear way to think about it. Everything that you're saying to yourself is having a neurochemical experience in your, bo- in your bag of, you know, chemicals, your body. And they're either tightening you up or opening you up. And it's one of those two. And the more freed up you can be internally, the more easily you can enter into higher performance states, higher states of being. That could be a spiritual being or, you know, a alpha competitive being, whatever is the primary focus in your life. And of course you could have both of those as well. And it's not, well, it's not as, as overwhelming as it may seem. It's not as difficult as we think to start. And let me give you an example. I think where it really started to turn around for me is when I just understood, okay, there's, you mean it's normal that we all have dragons that we got to face every day and the dragons are never going to go away. Okay. That was step one. But then the step that to conquer the negative feelings of like every morning when I wake up, there's this sense of dread or gloom or whatever negativity but the moment that I started just putting my feet on the floor and then just saying a simple gratitude that I can put my feet on the floor and then I can breathe and then I start building from there, right? And it was simple. It, was, it wasn't – and I think in my mind I wanted to be journaling and exercising and doing all this productivity in the first hour like you see things do. But once I just started doing that one simple thing, things started to turn around for me. What are your thoughts on when you hear me say that? I think that it is – the practices are simple. They are, but there's this nexus, there's this intersection between the act being simple, but the concepts being rather complicated. Right. And the reason it's complicated is because the mind is invisible. The spirit is invisible. Like right. we can't see it. So we're trying to use words, the things 
that people have never seen. So I think the, the idea of like gratitude training in the morning, phenomenal, like, of course. And we know from a research perspective that um, what areas of the brain it tends to activate and light up and, and exercise more. And we know that gratitude, well, we don't know this, but we think that gratitude precedes joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. And when you ask most people on the street, like, what do you really want in life? They say happiness. And so quickly though, we would say, okay, they, they probably need, they probably don't really mean happiness. What they really mean is that they want to feel alive. They want to feel less anxious and less depressed and less frustrated. And if they were to feel less of those things, maybe they'd feel more happy, but that's not right. Really what we want is from a human experience is we want to be more connected, more grounded, Mm. more grateful is one of the ways to proceed the, um, uh, the joint happiness by giving an inoculation to anxiety, fear, and frustration. So, you know, I, 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 so I say all that, then I say, it's actually the tactics alone don't work. Right. Like one tactic alone is like, it's not quite right. It's like our life efforts are in this field of becoming more and being more. Um, I want to share two thoughts. Okay. So the first thought is it's like a tapestry that each person is uniquely weaving. And uh, gratitude training is one piece of the tapestry. And, uh, you know, progressive, positive, directional self-talk is another stitch of the fabric of the tapestry. And then mindfulness is another one. It tends to be at the center because it's so freaking important to increase awareness and then to also, um, you know, accelerate the, the readiness of building some skills, which I can talk about those skills in a second if you like. But the, that the other part that I want to mention is that the model that we're working on has to fundamentally change because we're caught in this digital Insta mm-hmm. uh, era where it's, it's, it's heavy for us. Our ancient brains are not prepared completely to deal with the modern technology and the fast-paced world that we're in. And underneath it, your parents, my parents, grandparents, they've built this model for us, which is we need to do more. Remember, they came out of the Industrial Revolution. Right. We need to do more. You need to do more to be more. So the model to do more, to be more, you know it, I know it, your, your folks that are listening know it, is that we're exhausted. Right. We're exhausted from trying to do more, to be more. It doesn't work. So we have to flip that model on its head and make a fundamental commitment to be more, be more yourself, be more grounded, be more present, and let the doing flow from there. Which is why we have such a vacuum of authenticity and vulnerability, which is really, to me, I think the currencies, the primary currencies that kind of bring you that um, that ground, that, that, that grounding, I guess, does that make sense? I think the, the authenticity piece is so lacking and we talk about it, it's almost becoming a buzzword now, but what does that even mean? I mean, to, to tap in, to do more or to be more, I guess, what does it mean to be more? Is it to be authentic and add value in every transaction that, that, that you come across being mindful of every transaction, no matter how small it is? Mm. Yeah, I think, well, being, being present, it starts with being present, like yeah. all the good stuff happens in the present moment, you know, and when I say good stuff, that doesn't mean that um, death doesn't happen in the present moment. Of course it does, but your response to it um, based on your level of wisdom, you know, your level of insight, your level of understanding um, is a, a, an important precursor to some of the most difficult experiences that we have in life. So yes, it starts with being present. It starts with being aware. And those are both trainable. And, uh, you know, there's a fundamental axiom 
that I follow is that everything you need is already inside you. And so when we talk about authenticity, it's already in there. Right, it's right. This, you know, you know, so trying to describe what authenticity is for somebody else is not possible. But the general concept is, one is you're intimately familiar with what it's like to be you at your best. You know what that's like. And so what we need to do is increase all of the noise from that signal. So the signal to noise ratio is really important. The signal is your authentic self, your, your ability to be grounded and to be uniquely you in this moment. And all the noise is all the, the self-talk, the doubt, the criticalness, the worry that comes along with it as a survival mechanism, but not necessarily as an authenticity mechanism. You know? So, right. yeah, so uh, you know, I, I think that it, it, um, it falls far below words what authenticity is. But yeah. if we try to define what it, like for all people, what it means, it is um, that space between being and becoming where I don't know if it's like what you said, adding value to an environment. I'm not sure about that, but it's the space between being you and becoming in that, in that same instance, becoming the best version of you that is yet to unfold. So that's how I think about it. Yeah. I like that. But, and I would almost tend to think that by doing that, just by default, you're adding value to the world. I mean, even though it may seem like you're shining the light, on yourself when you're doing that in an authentic way. I think by doing that, just by, by osmosis, you give people in your vicinity who are connected to you, the freedom to do the same. Does that make sense? A thousand percent. I think that um, we know that from almost every service provider is that they are trained. So most service providers, whether they are nurses or doctors or flight attendants or um, even pilots, uh, definitely lifeguards is like, you got to put your life vest on first now. And so before you can be there for other people to help them. So the idea that you're, that you're linking is that when you're grounded and you're present and you're an explorer rather than a, an expert, right. that what ends up taking place for people is you create more space where they can settle in and be themselves and be an explorer. Cause we don't know, you know, <laughs> right. we don't really know stuff. We're all trying to figure this out. Right. And so let's, let's, Let's access that beginner's mind with a whole wealth of insight and wisdom and knowledge that we do drag behind us. Um, and, and so like when you can be grounded and take up that space and you're not critical of self and others and you're not worried about how the future is going to go, but you're really actively participating in making this moment uh, great to influence the next moments, then yeah, of course we're taking care of right. um, the world in a good way. And but the last sensitivity is that when we are more present, more grounded, we're going to be better custodians of nature. Right. And then in, in following the natural progression of that, then the thing that tends to hold most of us back or, or still crops up is the fear piece. And then fear almost becomes a nonsensical word. And, and that feelings you get, which we associate with fear actually become a barometer of probably what you should be doing. What do you think about that? A thousand percent. Yeah. So it really is the uh, a barometer or thermometer of like, how am I responding to this moment or how am I thinking about responding to a moment in the future? <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, um, it's really important information and feedback and it's what you do with it that matters. So the, ch so we're in this historically, we're in an unprecedented time of how fast information is coming in this. We're dealing with problems. Our brains are dealing with problems that are our parents, grandparents, and certainly their ancestors didn't have to deal with. 
they had different sets of issues, okay? But we, we're in an unprecedented time right now. And the challenge is, are, are you going to condition your mind to keep up with the pace and the change of the external world? And that, so gratitude training would be one way. Mindfulness would be another. Um, you know, and there's lots of tactics, you know, <laughs> training your breathing to become more calm. And there's lots of things that we can do. But the fundamental challenge is like, what are you going to do, meat included, to explore your full nature and to be able to express uh, eloquently and accurately what life means or whether you do that through writing or words or you do it through a craft, sport, painting, uh, flying, you know, whatever it might be. But can you be there, um, be in the present moment? Uh, when it matters most. And what I would say to you is sport has it a little wrong. If you listen to ESPN, they'd say that this is a big game. This is a defining moment. This is a defining season, whatever. That's not right. There's <laughs> this moment is the moment right. and it's always this moment. And because if you miss this moment, that's when, you know, life evaporates. That's what death is. Right. So um, this is always the most essential moment that we have. It's the only one we get and it's time sensitive, meaning it goes away as soon as we have it. So how well are we conditioning our mind to capture life? That's the deeper question. Yeah. And isn't, isn't, isn't the obligation, I mean, I struggle with this, but do we have an obligation to the universe? And if it is, what is it? I mean, because I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I want to think that we have an obligation to uh, nature. And so when I, when you say the universe, if like the material world, like, yeah, we've got lots of junk that we've just been sloppy throwing up in the space. But maybe that's necessary as part of like the exploratory phase to see if we can actually get out um, of this environment if we destroy it. Elon Musk, right? That's part right. of his mission, I think. So um, I think that uh, when you talk about universe, it gets airy-fairy for me. But I do believe that we've got a, a real commitment to take care of um, the thing that sustains us, which is, you know, oxygen and uh, sustenance that comes from the earth. Well, and relationships too, right? I mean, because mm -hmm. isn't that, isn't that at the center of, of it too, of meaningful relationships? I mean, when you get to the end? Well, I think that uh, we, we have a, what I've come to learn <clears throat> from both the, the science side and, and as well as spending time with world leading world-class performers is that it is through relationships that we become and um, that, again, that's the relationship with yourself, with nature, with others. And the deeper those relationships, the, um, the more insight and wisdom that we gain at, through our, our time that we're here. And why is insight and wisdom so important? Because when any level of wisdom is experienced or glimpses of it or sustained, then we become more fluid. In life and that fluid term is a scientific term about flow state and uh, referring to flow state for me and flow state is by definition the most optimal state a human can be in and what does that mean is that we're adjusting on time in the present moment to things that at one time might have been uh, real challenges or adversity but when we're in that state of full presence um, in a fluid way flow state mm -hmm. then uh, it's as if we could adjust to anything that's thrown our way or ha uh, tends to happen. And so, uh, you know, I th I, that's a complicated way for me to answer a pretty simple question that you asked. Hey, we'll get back to this outstanding conversation with Dr. Michael Gervais here in just a moment, but I need to take some time to talk about my great sponsor, 
here on Dose of Leadership called FreshBooks. And FreshBooks has made it so easy for me or simplified my life in so many ways. As you can imagine, I'm constantly racing against the clock, doing my full-time gig with American Airlines and then doing my passion to work here at Dose of Leadership, producing this show, working with high-potential clients, coaching, group coaching, masterminds, and overall leadership consulting for businesses. I don't have, or time is precious commodity for me. And it's challenging, yes, but uh, I think it's well worth it because I wouldn't have it any other way. And FreshBooks believes that. They understand this kind of concept, this entrepreneurial mindset, what it's like to be a freelancer, to be an entrepreneur. Let's face it, the working world has changed. And with the growth of the internet, I've said before, there's never been more opportunities to be self-employed. If you have are passionate about doing something, um, this is the best time, I think, in the history of the planet to do it. And to meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up, custom-built to how you want to work. And it really is the most simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's packed full of powerful features, including you can create and send professional-looking invoices in just less than 30 seconds. And it's branded uh, to, to your look, to your feel. You can set up online payments with just a couple of clicks, and you can get paid up to four days faster, something I noticed immediately once I started using FreshBooks. And you can see when your client has seen your invoice, it puts an end to all the guessing games and a beautifully designed dashboard that shows you which ones are in draft, which ones have been sent and seen by your client and those that have been paid. So no more guessing games. And FreshBooks is offering a free, unrestricted free trial to all of you, 30-day unrestricted free trial. And to claim it, you just need to go to freshbooks.com slash dose and enter Dose of Leadership in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right, back to the amazing conversation with Dr. Michael Gervais. So, so sorry for that. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. I love what you said. When it, and it begs me to, to kind of picking your brain a, l- a little bit about how the, the kind of the progression of, of even where, where we find you today. I mean, if you look at you know, what you've been involved with, with, with you know, the, the Red Bull Stratus story, uh, the Heaven Sent Skydive, you know, working with um, Kerry Walsh Jennings, the gold medalist, and even the Seahawks and the volleyball team with the U.S. Olympics um, what if you look at those high profile, high intensity uh, events and you look at the thread that flows through all of those, how does it apply to a father of four flies for American Airlines and is trying to make it as an entrepreneur as well? I mean, how does it because I can't I guess what I'm getting at is how do I or what are the, the threads or the common elements of those experiences can affect all of us on a day to day basis? Does that make sense? Okay, co- yeah, for sure. A couple of things is. Um, so some folks might not be familiar with some of those projects in Red Bull Stratos, Felix Baumgartner jumped out of space from 130,000 feet. And he was the first person to survive that and to do that. And some of the brightest minds in aerospace weren't sure if, if he was going to pass through a double sonic boom. So once he traveled the speed of sound Mach Mach one, that if his arms and legs were going to rip off because he was the first person to actually potentially go through a double boom. And so that's, that's an unreal. That is like amazing. Right. Now, that being said, there was probably a handful of people in the world that that were that were close to skilled enough to do that. And with proper training, they could get they could ready themselves to do it. Okay. So it as you move up in your skill, the pool becomes smaller. Same with Carrie Walsh Jennings, is that she's a, a five-time is a five-time, five-time Olympian, yeah. four-time gold medalist, um, took um, 
bronze in the last Olympics, is that there's a handful of people in her world that are that skilled that she's competing with. And in, let's go now in into your craft as well. I can't fly. I don't, I don't know how to fly. Most people that are listening don't know how to fly. So we go, that's extraordinary. I have no idea how to do it. But in your pool, there's, there's either few that have the skill you have or a smaller minority that have that pool, that skill, depending on where you are in, in your, your craft or where anybody is in their craft. So, so I say that because when, when somebody, here's the common thread, when somebody is committed to explore their potential, and what that really means is I just want to get better than I am today. Right. Like that's really what that means. It's a, it's an uncommon, relentless forward, progressive commitment to getting better. And a craft is a great way to do that. It could be writing. It could be fatherhood. It could be flying. It could be uh, painting. It could be music. It could be sports. It could be a lot of things um, that it's a fundamental commitment each day. So it's not like, let me do just gratitude training. And I don't want to knock that. I do gratitude training every morning, right. but it is a fundamental commitment to orientate your life, to get better. Right. That's where that's, that's, that's the common thread. Now, the second part of that thread, if you're really going to do that, and this is why it's so rare. If you're really going to do that, you're going to run straight into the edge of your capabilities. Right. And at the edge of capabilities is really when we say that fancy phrase there, it's really being at the edge of instability when I don't know if I have what it takes. And world-class people that are, are, have organized their life to get better, right, and have followed that trajectory, but they've matched it up with their genetic coding, meaning that, you know, I, I have a 5'10 frame, and it's likely I'm not going to become a world-class sumo wrestler. I have an <laughs> average build. I'm not going to, you know, right. so I've got to follow my genetic coding a bit as well. And so know your genetic coding and, you know, that's what parents job are to help their kids kind of figure out what some of the predispositions they, they might have that this thing that they tend to like and do, it actually comes kind of easy for them. And if they really applied themselves and they like it enough to really apply themselves for a long time and they like it enough, the way it feels to grow that they might organize their life in, in this extraordinary way to push on the edges, then that's sort of the... Um, the thread that runs through it. Right. And so la last thought on this, at the edge of instability, most minds um, and nearly all bodies constrict. And unless you're a psychopath, unless you're a full narcissist, <laughs> unless you are, you know, seriously, and, and there's plenty of those on the world stage, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And so uh, like mental skills and psychological training, what I found in from a research and applied like being in the trenches is that the majority of people they really do benefit from it and they nod their head to like, I'd like to get better at that other than narcissists and psychopaths. All you have to do for them is turn on the lights. Right. And, and, and their mind is like, yes. Now when the lights are not on, they wreak havoc in relationships. Okay. So the, the healthy person is like, I want to get better at my mind, training my mind because I know that I've committed my life efforts to get better. And what happens for me. And I think most people and I'm speaking like I'm, I'm a world-class athlete, like what happens to me is right when I'm on the edge in that competitive environment and I'm either all in it or I'm battling to get in the moment. And that battle is like a, an internal battle with my mind. And that's the edge of instability. Yeah. Now you have that maybe when you're going to talk to a loved one about something that's difficult to talk about. You have that as soon as somebody po pokes 
you know, button and you get pissed off too soon, too quickly right. and irritated. You have that one, you know, we all have these edges of instability. Um, and the more we condition our mind by mindfulness, by um, gratitude trainings, by awareness of our inner dialogue, by training self-confidence, by um, using imagery to, to help get familiar both physically and uh, psychologically with the future, then, you know, um, we're, we're actually being responsible participants in co-creating um, the best version that we possibly can imagine of, of our life. Yeah, or, 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 sorry for the last thought, no, no. or we just become passive and victims, you know, nice. and, and blame, blame others and blame uh, the environment for our internal, our own experience in life, which, you know, everyone knows that, well, that sounds terrible. <laughs> but then, you know, how, how much are you actually committing just like these extraordinary um, humans, like to getting really better? No, I love that. That resonates with me deeply. And I think that's a lot of reason why I'm even doing this show and even the examples that I, that became really obvious to me when I got away from it, from the, from the Marine Corps side of it and just thinking, Hey, it's getting comfortable in that chaotic environment. And again, it's not to, you know, run your life like a combat Marine, just like in your examples, it's not necessarily to be exactly like Carrie Walsh Jennings or, you know, even um, Felix jumping, you know, from 24 miles from space. And how do you relate to that? Well, how I relate to that is, is getting comfortable with that, putting myself to the end. Does that make sense? I mean, if just like I've never been in infantry combat, but I can take a page out of their playbook and how to deal with chaos and uncertainty and fear and apply that to my everyday life. And I think that's the thread that I see coming through your work. Does that yeah. So the, yeah. the craft is agnostic to right. the progression of being you. Right. Right. But, but then, so the fundamental question is who are you becoming? Right. And, and so if you say, if you're, let's, let's just use volleyball or let's, yeah. Okay. Let's stick with volleyball. I want to be, I want to be my very best. And I also want to win on the world stage. Like, I think it's in there. I think that's, yeah. and then, so, okay, great. Then go to the drawing board, figure out today, like dedicate your life efforts to getting better. And what ends up happening is most people that are on the world stage, the conversation that happens for a lot of folks is like, man, I can't figure out this balance thing. I can't figure like, I'm trying, you know, right. I can't figure it out. Okay. That's me too. That's probably you. Uh -huh. That's probably most people listening. Like most people, unless they have a trust fund, um, have to work. Right. And so work requires 40, 50, 60, 80 hours a week if we're fortunate enough to have enough work. And so if we can, if we're committed to that amount of work, that means that's 40, 60, 80 hours a week that we're not with loved ones. Right. <laughs> and that that's where we want to be, you know, and that's right. really hard. So, mm -hmm. and then there's an ugly truth of it too, which is, um, it feels great to be in environments where we have a sense of efficacy mm -hmm. where, and that's that fancy phrase for like, we have that sense of competency that we can, we can be skilled enough to make, to see change and to impact. And so some people really like work a lot because it's so much more concrete and the home family, emotional life is so much more esoteric. Right. And difficult. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the result, yes. the results aren't, you may not even, the truth is you may not even, even see the full impact ever. You know, you may be dead and buried when your full impact. Is, yeah. Have you, come, and, come to bear. 
have you have you um, been following this trend of fubbing? No. Okay. So, um, okay. Have you heard of FOMO, fear of missing out? Yes. And I it's have. like this fear, mm-hmm. right? And then so, um, I've coined this phrase, FOPO, fear of other people's opinions. I think yep. it's bigger than FOMO, yep. right? But FOPO, fear of other people's opinions. Agreed. And then there's this um, new phenomenon that's taking place for us, which is not a fear-based thing, but it, it's got a close cousin to it, where what and what you when you brought up the the difficult with intimate relationships is that people are looking at their phone and digital devices while in conversations with other people. Right. And so the, there's a there's a phrase that's been coined fubbing. So it's like the social interaction with the phone. Yeah. And what we're finding is that um, what researchers are finding is that it really does create a sense of isolation, and it creates a um, a very rude and uh, experience for the other person on the other, you know, your, maybe it's your wife or husband or whomever. And it, it's, it's becoming problematic for relationships. Yeah. So, and yeah, that's the fatigued mind that just yeah. wants to be numbed yeah. as opposed to being stimulated by the difficult intimate conversations that um, take us somewhere with our loved ones. Yeah. It's so true. I was, it's funny how I was watching an episode, old episode of Seinfeld yesterday and it was, uh, I think, what, 96, 7, I think was the date on it. And Elaine had a cell phone, and she was she answered it while they were in the street. And there was this conversation about how George and, and Jerry were telling her that that's a big faux pas to do, to take a serious phone call while you're walking in the street. And then I just thought, my God, that's all we do anymore, you know? I mean, I walk on a plane, and I, I, I kid you not, 150 seats and there will be 98% of the people on a phone. Looking down. Looking down. <laughs> yeah, I know. The air, aren't airports outrageous right now? <laughs> yeah, right. You walk through, it's like, wow. Nobody's but looking up. Yeah. No one's looking at each other. That's right. really rare. Oh. oh, that's kind of a so ch- Check out that concept. Funny. I will. Yeah, I, yeah will. I think that you'll, you'll appreciate it. Well, as we wrap up here, it's interesting because now you've taken this. You've, you've partnered with Pete Carroll, with mm-hmm. this, from this head coach from the Seahawks, and you've kind of taken – taken what we've talked about here and you're applying it to uh, a business setting. Am, am I correct? That's ex- yeah. It's been really fun. Um, you know, it's been, it's been obviously a blast to work with the CLC Hawks for the last six or so years and on mindset and working with coach Carroll on, you know, the, the mind, the mental skills and part of the game, working with coaches and athletes. And um, it's been hard and it's been wonderful. I've learned so much and I, I hope I've added uh, uh, equally as much. And I'll tell you that um, I have not worked with a head coach in such a way that we are so lockstep on uh, philosophical approaches and agreed upon tactics that it felt like one and one was far greater than two. And so what ended up happening, there's just a cool little story is we're heading into our first Super Bowl and he says in the hallway, he says, hey, Mike, can you feel it? And I was like, what feel what and he goes how great it is around here i was like yeah yeah it's amazing <laughs> people are just switched on That's and awesome. he's a switched on thoughtful articulate um really clear-minded human that has an abundance of, of passion and he says do you think anyone would be interested in what we're doing outside of sport and without a half a beat coming out he said let's just write it down <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it was like four years ago we wrote it down what he does what i do what we've done together we folded that into a curriculum turned it into a four-week online course i'm in the middle of writing a book now um, with him and it's just been uh, phenomenal so that that's called um, compete to create 
And it's the merging of our two philosophies. His philosophy is always compete and to become your very best. And then my philosophy in life is um, every day is an opportunity to create a living masterpiece. So our company name is Compete to Create. And it's just really pulling back the curtain on how to train the mind um, to become more calm, confidence focused, you know, to become more of the best version of yourself. Well, I love it. I, mean, I love that concept. I love that story. I love it when when two people are brought together, people are brought together, resources are brought together, and, and, and you create something new and, and, uh, and beneficial for everyone. That just and, and Pete's great. I mean, I love his style, his leadership style. I always have. He's a relationship-based coach. Yeah. He is a phenomenal ball coach. He understands the tactics and techniques, uh, world-class level. But when you strip down the organization, it really is, uh, it start, it begins and ends with him and he is a relationship-based coach. And so um, you, that sounds counterintuitive to thinking about the alpha, the, 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 the alpha experience that football conjures up. Yeah. Say, say hold on now. That's, it's not enough. It, it doesn't to me because, and that's all what I've talked about here on the show is like, you know, it's not about. I've always said is leadership isn't about charisma. It's about being calm, confident, consistent, and courageous. And, and a natural, authentic charisma comes out of that. And I saw that in the Marine Corps where, you know, the, the, oh, well, this is what I need to be to be a Marine Corps officer. And what I come to find out, the guys that were very relationship-based and was centered around love, the lo- it was the most loving organization I ever worked in by far. Because mm-hmm. the real leadership, the, the one that worked when things were firing on all cylinders, love was at its center. And, and that's what I try to bring on this show. But, uh, and that's what I love about you too. And as we wrap up, I know you got to go here and I'm going to be mindful of your time, but, um, I love what you're doing, Michael. And I think that, you know, and I think you even said, I saw you on Ferris's show and, and as you ended it, isn't that what you said that it, it is, if there's one word or one thing to do, it's, it's, it's love or something to that effect. Isn't that what you said? Oh, flat out. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is at the center of what we're trying to figure out better and do better. And we all want it. Uh, it's, it's, um, it sounds easy and airy fairy, but it's really hard to do. It's hard to do. And it's not, not yeah. love that makes, you know, love of a puppy or even your kid. It's, it's the action, right? It's the action behind it. And it's, yep. it's pretty meaningful stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, I I just, I want to say thank you, you know, for, for um, including me in in your journey, including me in in what you're building. And so I just, I I, seriously, I'm super grateful and honored to be part of your show. So thank you. Yeah, no, I, and I could talk to you about so many other stuff. I'd love to have you back on the show, especially when the book comes out. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. I love that too. And I want all my listeners to check out your show. We didn't get to talk about it, but you're finding mastery podcast. Uh, If you're a fan of this show, it's going to resonate with you. A lot of the stuff that we talk about here. Uh, Michael hits it in spades. So quick plug, Michael, for Finding Mastery, if if, if you want. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, it, isn't this podcast space fun? Oh, it's <laughs> about, know, I love like, it. Yeah. It's you know, it's, yeah. It's really good. And I love what, so we're, um, Finding Mastery is the, the the name of the podcast. You can find it at, you know on where all the normal podcasts are found. And the website's findingmastery.net. But what I've really enjoyed most is um, the community that's built around yeah, it. Yeah, me sure too. This community that now I'm part of, like this finding mastery community, where people are challenging and supporting and getting after each other to like hold each other accountable in ways to become better. And there's this there's forums that we have where people um, listeners are going and saying, "Hey, I found this article that's related to, you know, what uh, whoever my, I, I just had Luke Walton on, yeah. which is the head coach of Lakers, and so like thoughts that he had, and whether it's researchers from Dacker Keltner or wh- whomever, like really world class researchers on on gratitude. And so it's like, it's been outrageous how much I'm learning from the experience and how much the community is, 
has been warm and inviting and passionate. So, um, yeah, if, if anyone's listening uh, that's interested in findingmastery.net, you can find me on Twitter at Michael Gervais, G-E-R-V-A-I-S. And then um, Instagram is at Finding Mastery. Michael, love it. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Proud to have you in the Dose of Leadership Tribe and, and thanks for the kick-ass conversation. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, let's roll. Out. Okay, all the best. Thanks so much. See you. Okay, bye. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to legacyleaderblueprint.com. Fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger. Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.